Hello and welcome back for another episode of the Coaching Bubble Podcast, where we talk about all things coaching and hope to help as many coaches as we can along their own coaching journey. On this week's show, it's a pleasure to welcome Tommy Dunn. Tommy is a senior hurling coach with All-Ireland winning Tipperary. And during the show, he talks about his coaching journey, how he uses his own enjoyment levels as a measure of success, and how coaches can gain confidence through education. Loads for people to take away from today's show. As always, thanks for listening. Enjoy. Gives me great pleasure to welcome Tommy Dunn to the show today. A distinguished hurler with Club and County, Tumavara and Tipperary, uh, All-Ireland captain, three All-Stars and current coach of the All-Ireland Hurling Champions, Tipperary. Tommy, you're very welcome to the show. Thanks a million for coming on. Um, you went had a very very quick transition into coaching after your playing career you couldn't get enough and uh, couldn't stay away from the pitch uh so i want to ask you what attracted you to coaching in the first place uh it's great great pleasure to be here anyway first of all Stephen, and thanks for thanks for the invite it's it's nice to be able to talk about something that that uh, you're passionate about um uh i got yeah i finished i finished hurling with tomb uh with tumi vara in uh, about the end of 2006, early 2007, and, and got involved with coaching the tip minors pretty much, pretty much straight away. So, um, it, well, I remember at the time, like I had no, I had no great plans to go into coaching shortly after playing. You know, what I mean, I had no, no great plans. First of all, it wasn't a master plan, uh, for want of a better phrase. It was just something that came up around that time, and at the, at that time, at the end of 06, early 07, you know, I, I had I had virtually you know experience in coaching at all. Um other than I think one or two or three years earlier I helped out with coaching a third level colleges team in in uh, with the Tipperary Institute hurlers, the local college, the local college, the local third third level college based in Thurless. And I got involved with Paddy McCormack and and a few of the people in the college there. Um and uh, so that was my only little any kind of any kind of exposure to coaching at all um and and it was fine it was it was enjoyable um but it, it I, I like i say i had no plans to go into coaching any time after playing it was just something that came up at the time so how it transpired was um t- uh, Liam Sheedy was manager of the tip miners in 2006 um and they they won the All Ireland that year, and Liam, at the end of two thousand and six, Liam Liam moved on, so th- there was a vacancy with the Tip Minor hurling uh, manager position, and uh, John Costigan was county board chairman in Tipperary at that time, um, and I would have I would have I would have a long standing relationship with John going back to my school days where he was a teacher in my school and and someone that was very influential to me. Uh, uh, in my in my hurling days when I was in school and and further on and John John um, approached Declan Ryan over in Canalty the great Declan Ryan uh, former Tipperary hurler and subsequent to that then Declan asked me if I would be interested in in being part of his management team with the minors if he were to take it uh, in a role as coach. And I considered it and thought about it. And um, to be honest, I was actually quite frightened of it. I remember it. I remember talking about it with a few people at the time, and I was very, very dubious about whether I should do it or not because of my 
my just whole ignorance in the area and my lack of knowledge and all that kind of thing. So, um, but anyway, uh, my instinct when I, after talking to Declan a few times and John and getting a bit of reassurance, um, decided to decided to go for it. And that was that was the start of my coaching my role uh, uh, as a coach, um, uh, just like that. And it was it was something. And to this day, like that group. And that time, um, kind of figuring out how to be a coach is still uh, a period of time in my life that is is one of the most happiest, I would say. I really, really, I, I don't know uh, how to describe the satisfaction and enjoyment I got about going training, going over to train those, those lads on a Saturday morning. I'll never forget it. It was brilliant. So um, kind of fell in love with, with the role of, or the idea of coaching from from that time onwards and and um probably from that time onwards i've been doing some kind of coaching in one form or another with one team or another you know i think people listening would be fascinated to hear that you were frightened in your own words you said you were frightened of it or nervous of it like a player with your background and and for, with the success that you had with with club and, and county um that apprehension gone in what do you did you think that that your experience as a player helped you make that transition quicker than maybe some I do, yeah. I I think I I I couldn't have seen myself even given it any consideration only for the the time I spent playing and the experience I got from playing. But you know, but I was also conscious that 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 wasn't enough, and that was like I mean, I was I was asked to take charge of the the coaching, the hurling coaching, and the and the physical conditioning of the best young hurlers in Tipperary at that time, who were also all Ireland champions, actually. But um, so th- that it was in that context that I was very, very apprehensive about how I would be fit to carry out this task properly and bring value to the players. Um, uh, that I was that or that I was going to be coaching. I was very, very nervous about it. And um, so, you know, I thought about it long and hard and, you know, I, there was two really important pieces in it um, that made me um, come to the conclusion that I'd be okay. And that was the manager, that was Declan, who, who I have enormous regard for and, and were great friends and were great friends at that time. Um, and John Costigan, the, the chairman who, you know, who, kind of convinced us both I think really that we we would be a good fit for the job and it's it was it was probably through other people's belief in myself that helped me to take it more so than my own belief in myself at that time yeah again it's uh I just think the a lot of people who may be starting out on their coaching journey or maybe asked to get involved with their their five and six year old kids who who may not even have a background in yeah. hurling or football or anything like that going through that same maybe sense of apprehension that you are albeit from a totally different place i just think it's really interesting and refreshingly honest to hear people to talk about that um you mentioned that you enjoyed it and you can't describe uh the enjoyment that you got from it i'm gonna ask you to try if you can because i think this is really pivotal pivotal and people always ask, what's your man doing there coaching the gang, the eight or ten players in the lashing rain or whatever it is? And um, uh, people maybe sometimes fail to understand how much enjoyment that we as coaches get out of coaching 
and that it's not just a one-way street that it that, that we get an awful lot from it too could you maybe touch on on that journey in terms of how you realized you were helping them and, and how the kick that you were getting out of it yeah um it's it's kind of i don't know why it's it's it feels like it's hard to describe um but i i I, you know, I remember I was living in Nina at the time, so we trained over in Morris Park as as we still do. And I I I remember driving over in the car. Like Saturday morning was kind of our was kind of our um, reoccurring training morning, so to speak. So I like I distinctly remember driving driving over in the car. Um, now this would have been a f- maybe a few months into it. Do you know what I mean? This wasn't initially at the start. Uh, but a few months into it, when I sort of settled in, I remember driving over in the car and and driving home in the car and having a feeling of immense happiness and satisfaction that, you know, the training session went well, the lads enjoyed it, I enjoyed it, the management team enjoyed it, just a real, just a kind of a real positive energy. Um, I, I like it was it was brilliant. And how did I know they enjoyed it? Well. I kind of knew by their energy, the energy they brought to it, their their application, how how they had a determination to do the things you wanted them to do as well as they could, you know, irrespective of the quality, um, those kind of things. And uh, I actually, I still remember my first training session with the tip miners, our first training session on the pitch. And I remember how well organized I was for it and how I had gone through uh, in minute detail the way the session ought to be in my, in my head. And that gave me some reassurance and, and the session went well. And therefore, that was kind of my launch pad to, to, to drive on and, and get better and, 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 and improve. But um, the, the happiness piece comes from, I think, seeing other people, uh, as in the players, see the players try their level best to be as good as they can at whatever we're trying to do at that particular moment in time. And then they're irrespective of their ability. You know, that, that, that's the key thing. And just their, their commitment to doing something as good as they can and that they, you know, that they have enough trust in you to understand that they're doing this because you think it's it's the right thing to do, so all, all those kind of aspects of it um, intertwine to to make it like a, a fairly unique experience for a coach. Yeah, I think it's really, really. Uh, I well, I really like it that the fact that you you said a few months in, you just knew everyone enjoyed the session. You enjoyed it, the management team and the players enjoyed it, and I think that's a whatever level we're at in our coaching journey i think that's a really really good gauge of if we did a good training session or not or or, or if we if we were and i think maybe sometimes we get a little bit caught up on, on numbers or, or black and white figures maybe well that's that's a good that's a good point i mean like this was 2007 i wasn't operating off gps units i wasn't operating off any sort of objective data in terms of were we doing too much, were we doing too little, what weight were they before training, what weight were they after training. Like we had, you know, 
at, at that particular point in time, we, we had very little accessories to to guide your to guide your coaching setup. So you know, and and I think this is where uh, the philosophy comes in, the coaching philosophy that you have, or the coaching belief, or the coaching principles that you have, and also the the alignment and uh, the relationship you have with your with your colleagues in in management to know that we're, we this is the way we're doing things this is this is what we see and you know that we're okay to proceed along this on this on this track based on what we see from players like in those days like i i think in 2007 we had five or six dual players noel mcgray actually being probably the most well-known one of them you know, who had as much love for football as uh, playing football for Tipperary as he had for playing hurling with Tipperary. You know what I mean? And and there were and there were others as well. I think Sean Carey from Moyle Rovers. So, and as well as that, you know, the usual challenges of club competitions, schools competitions, and all that kind of thing. And I think the 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 management view on all of that kind of stuff it's it's one thing to have a coaching view but if 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 your coaching view is misaligned from management view then then there's a good chance the player is going to suffer in one shape or form you know what i mean and so we but you know i was lucky i knew exactly i knew exactly that with the management that we had in in, in this scenario that that wasn't an issue you know what i mean that the players the players would be front and center in terms of of um workload and you know Declan's view um was was and similar to my own that less you know for these kind of of guys that less is actually more in some in some situations and it you know we we you know we worked out okay okay you talk about um coaching philosophy there and and maybe alignment with with management in terms of what you're trying to achieve and how you're trying to achieve it that you said that you mentioned already yourself that you were lucky that yourself and Declan had that from from the off. Um, now that you probably have a lot more experience and know a bit more, do you think that that is harder to achieve within a management team? Uh, and it takes maybe a w- bit of work to to a sort of a, a designated style or or a, how you want to do things. I do, yeah. I think, and even even with someone that you know well and have a great relationship with, it still it still needs constant. It can never be taken for granted. I think is the is the way I would sum it up. It's 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 that important. Okay. And and it's probably, you know, it's it's probably like not every coach is lucky to get to work with the manager that they're completely aligned with. So like without a shadow of a doubt like it, it needs constant work and constant dialogue and constant uh positive communication it, it it's it's a constant and it's it, it probably needs to be there pretty much all the time um given given the detail and given the the amount of information that's available now with regard to what players are doing and how they're doing i totally get what you're saying could you potentially for someone now listening in give me a practical example of how and again i'm not looking for you to divulge anything but uh, a practical example of how that might look work for a, a manager a coach and a couple of selectors or however that, that a management team might set up how could they get sit down and actually work that out yeah well i mean like if you take for example the old county minor regime where you 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 would have uh, you you could have a situation where a player was playing hurling and football, 
so you know the the most common case that i i would have probably seen or be familiar with would be that you know the hurlers are training probably two pitch sessions a week footballers might be uh, training two pitch sessions a week and there might be a match you know both of them would have some sort of maybe a a game of some sort at a weekend so you know if if you're in the position where you you know that the player that that you are you're um, involved with it needs it doesn't need this six weeks in a row that he needs either time off or he needs to decide this week which which team he's going to going to work with if if you have a manager like that that believes that he can't miss a training session and you as a coach know that actually missing one or two sessions or doing something different is actually more beneficial you, you know the there's a potential conflict there straight away, uh, and you, you could throw in the you could throw in the X factor then that you know there may be another team involved that he's that he's uh, involved with as well that have a demand there. You know what I mean? So, yeah. um, but but the most common one I think is that you know a manager's expectation of what a player's needs against maybe what a coach's. Uh, expectation or knowledge of what a player requires you know what i mean that's the, i think that's kind of a common a common enough one. yeah and yeah i just think it's it's uh sometimes and i know i certainly was like that when i started out with my coaching uh, i would have found it harder to delegate and, and would have been that guy that wanted to be there at every time but uh realizing that fairly quickly that um the more people you can bring along with you and and have a team i suppose is more beneficial for for everyone i think Tommy, I want to touch on uh, your sort of education and your or your continued education. You have an S and C degree from Satanta. Um, you've uh, correct me. You have a master's in sports science in sports performance from UL. Uh, yeah. So you've obviously val- put a, a, a strong value on that continuous education. Of two questions on it. One, how important do you think it is for coaches to 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 do, to keep on learning? Uh, and two, uh, from that. S- from seeing the different elements of the sports performance and particularly the strength and conditioning, does that give you a unique view on how all these things should work together uh, rather than just being a hurling coach on one side, a strength and conditioning guy for the warm-up or the gym, etc.? It was very important to me and is very important to me. And if, if I go back to the window of 06 and 07, you know, one of the best decisions I ever made was to enroll in Satanta College to to kind of get you know get a proper knowledge base under my belt with regard to the the general area of strength and conditioning and i in fact i'll i'll always be grateful to to satanta college for the skills that they they passed on to me you know um you, you know liam hennessy and 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 other like uh, we were exposed to just some outstanding outstanding coaches uh in satanta and they i was only able to do it because it was part-time it was a part-time course so it took me i think it took me between four and six years to get my to get to get my degree <laughs> but i got i got there in the you end got there, that's all that matters yeah i got there in the end um um and it was pretty new at the time and uh, i'll tell you what it did very very simply Stephen, for me okay it gave me a bit more belief in myself that the instincts and the experience that I had as a player 
that I had a knowledge base that gave those a foundation so that when when I was going to training on a Saturday morning with the Tipperary minor team, that the, the, the knowledge that I had gained, that I could bring most of that straight onto the pitch with me. That was the, that was the, the value I took from the content with Satanta College. It was almost specifically geared to hands-on coaches. And it gave, it gave just some, some really, really brilliant um, uh, guiding principles in, in lots of different areas. And it just came perfect for me at, for the time and the space that I was in. So it gave, me, it gave me confidence and it gave me belief in myself that the things that I was um, putting in place for, for young players were appropriate, were adequate and were underpinned by, by science uh, for, you know, in, almost every, in almost every situation. And you add your own little twist and, and different things. But in general, that's what it gave me. And uh, it, just gave me, it just gave me that confidence that, look, this is okay to do. You know they can they can be assured that what what's going on here is is appropriate for their age for for their development and for the the long the longer term picture um so so that's the value i have and uh, look they that was fine um i got the opportunity then to to enroll in 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 a master's in sports performance course in University of Limerick a, a couple of years ago and that was you know that was another step up I suppose in, in, in the education ladder and in effect one of the things that that showed me was that I was I had still so much to actually learn and explore in, in the area of um, uh, in I suppose more more specifically in the role that actually science sports science plays at the higher end of coaching in sport. And I think I, before I went on that course, I probably under, under appreciated and maybe even undervalued the, the role that sports science has. You know, that gave me a, a tremendous insight into, uh, I suppose, elite level, some elite level coaching practices from professional sport, et cetera. Can I jump in there? So it's a brilliant answer for anyone listening and i really like the confidence thing that, that you get from the education um but can i jump in you're talking about how they all mesh together and how they work at the elite level so then you coming in from a hurling coach point of view does that give you a unique position to see or to have an overview of how everything fits together i i i, I don't know if it's if it gives me a unique view, it suppose it gives me my own. It gives me my own view, and I think that's that's important, really. You know, like your own view, your own view as a coach is really important. You know, you got to form your own opinion and your own view on the things that are that you have been exposed to. You know, not everything that I that I was exposed to through through the the stuff in University of Limerick is something that that I would recommend or that, you know, is, is maybe what I would use dependent, you know, depending. So, but it's, it's great. It's great to, it was great to be exposed to it. You know what I mean? And like the, the, the thing that I think, um, that, you know, was kind of brought home to me was that like, there's actually, there's actually so much, there's so much of, there's so much, 
it changes so quickly, I think, is the thing that it actually, you know, in a number of years, things can change dramatically in terms of the, the science that's out there about a particular thing and the way it's used, et cetera. You know, for example, in GAA, the, the whole analysis piece has just gone up so many levels in such a short space of time. Like it's, it's yeah. kind of scary, you know, and the way and the way things are being analyzed, the technology available to analyze them has just changed dramatically in a huge space of time, in a short space of time. Just to bring you back to something you said earlier, you talked about that you um, measured the success of your training session by the enjoyment of the guys and, and that. And now with all your newfound knowledge and you probably have all those objective measures in your GPSs and your, your analysis, etc. Do you still use enjoyment as, as, a, as a, an important gauge of how your sessions go? I do. Yeah, I do. I, I, I do. And it's, and you know, I'm, I'm lucky in the, in the, in the colleagues that I have at the minute in, in, in with Tipperary Senior Hurling, that it's, it's absolutely a fundamental factor in almost everything we do. Now it's, 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 it's maybe harder to get it in uh, a little bit because it's, you know, it's pretty much a results driven business at, at this end of the, of the GAA in that you're measured a lot on, on results and, you know, a lot of time goes in, you know, time that's in some cases people don't have. So it is harder to get it in, but it is something that is, is on the agenda all the time. Um, but I suppose to, maybe to qualify the enjoyment piece for me the way i measure enjoyment i think in a training session or when things are competitive the enjoyment i think comes from being competitive from 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 improving maybe satisfaction is is a slight variation on it Do you know what i'm saying the, if a player like the enjoyment doesn't have to be laughing out loud i would rate enjoyment as a player getting getting satisfaction out of doing something better than he did it last Tuesday night or or doing something doing something that he t- didn't think he could do you know what I mean like there's some feeling for a coach when a player does something he never thought or believed he could do before you came along is there anything is there anything better from a coach from a coaching standpoint like I, I don't know that there is yeah but again I think it's it's just really refreshing to hear you talk about that sort of mutual satisfaction like from the coach seeing a player being able to do something new from and, and also from the player satisfaction I think so often we measure uh, just from the, the player or the athlete's point of view and not maybe not maybe going towards ourselves um and you have worked you've been very lucky uh, uh or maybe th- the managers have been very lucky you've been, you've got to work with some some really really good guys uh you mentioned Declan Ryan Liam Sheedy Jer Cunningham Anthony Daly um so all these managers are, are operating at a, at a really really high level and elite level for a long time is there common traits between them uh again i'm not asking you to give away the the, the shop secrets just um i'm very curious to know if if there's some commonalities there uh it's a very it's a very good question and uh believe it or not i'd say i was never asked that in that in like that before but i i'd say there certainly is i'd say there certainly is commonalities you know uh i think the managers i you know the managers I've been exposed to, um, and there there are others as well at club level and that which were which are t- t- top guys as well. I, I think what what I think they have is that they have a, a tremendous ability to 
wrap their arms around a big, a big structure. If you know what I'm saying, yeah. In so far as that, from from say for me as a coach, I'm worried about the coaching of the players, but the managers that you've just named, they they have concerns ranging a lot wider than that. And the guys that you mentioned there, I think, have have a tremendous ability to actually manage in 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 the essence of the word to manage something much bigger than just one aspect of it and that's something that i admire greatly to, to be honest with you because they have a really good a really strong skill in delegating people to cover off the different sections and handing it over and i i guess their they their ability to trust people i think their 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 ability to identify people number one and their ability to trust people and their ability to motivate people, which is a very strong commonality. Their, their natural motivating uh, skills that they, might, they may not even be aware that they have. They just naturally bring out the best in you. you know? Yeah, I think it's really interesting insight because yeah, I suppose you always hear of um, players talking about managers being great motivators or great communicators. But the way you describe it there is we often forget that there might potentially be a big backroom team that they also have to motivate and manage and, and keep people. Uh, I suppose it goes back to what you said earlier on in terms of having that alignment, that philosophy alignment and um, having everyone rowing the same way. You know, listening to these people speak even is, is, is powerful. You know what I mean? In whatever they're talking about with regard to the team, it, you just, you just stand back. Like they just have that ability to, to make you want to do something really, really good for for the group, you know what I mean? And their ability, I think, to their their ability to to understand the needs of the team, I think, is a very strong trait amongst them all as well. They they are very very good at understanding what the team requires at a certain point in time. Yeah, it's 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 uh, fascinating to hear that. That, that that's an insight. It's just I, I've never thought of it like that myself before. I always again focusing on the the people we see on the pitch rather than the whole big picture and what goes along or in behind it. Um, Tommy, I'm curious. Um, I I I'd be shot if I don't ask you a, a practical coaching question of of some sort. So imagine now I'm a I'm a an under fifteen or an under sixteen coach, and I'm I'm not too far. I I have my basics and I have my uh, a couple of years under my belt, but I'm I'm trying to um trying to make get my team to improve and and improve myself as a coach. Okay, so what can you give me give me a, a couple of practical examples for someone like that and and really helping someone on the ground if we can. Good, brilliant, and I would say very simply, define and understand clearly what you want the team to improve at. Really spend time thinking about which aspect of the game or their play or the part of the team. Have Be clear about that and then spend time thinking about, about little ways to do it and have a look great believer in having a look at the best the best in class doing it and then that will give you that might give you um a picture yourself as a coach as to how you, you'd like your team to do it once once you have the picture of of what it looks like 
the lads or the your players will get the picture from you being completely have complete clarity on the piece you want to improve look look at wherever you find it look at find out what it looks like and then when you know what it looks like they'll know what it looks like and they'll improve it that's so simple so you're basically saying <laughs> uh, sorry i know sorry you've explained it simple i know it's not that simple but it's a really uh it's a really simple message so let's for example say that we wanted to pl- uh that uh, i'm not that coach again and i wanted to play a, a really fast brand of hurling figure fig- figure out what's required to play that brand of hurling and see where it is and then try and replicate that and get that message exactly through. exactly and don't be afraid to take risks you know i i uh, when i started coaching my work used to take me to dublin once a week on the train right so every either on a mostly on a Friday morning I'd, I'd get to train in, in Turles or Templemore and head on to Dublin right um, and it, it, I didn't have to be up there too early so it might have been it might have been a, a 9.30 or a 10 a.m train so the train was usually quiet and in my rucksack I had a, an A4 fool's cap and a biro and I'm not cutting it the amount of stuff that I got into my head from those train journeys was just uh, was unbelievable and I, and I, and I I don't know where it came from. I was just thinking about stuff and writing stuff down and drawing out little drills, right? And um, and some of those drills I still use. People underestimate the simplicity of of good coaching work, in my view. You know what I mean? Like the, the one of the biggest lessons I've learned in coaching is that when you're looking at great teams and great players and what they do and how did how do they do it so well all of the time? Okay, they might have some spectacular stuff in the locker, like some something that they can pull magic out of a hat. But in general, what defines the great teams to me is that their ability to do the basics 100% over and over and over again is is just is un, is unmatched in some cases you know what i mean yeah. and um and, and like it's probably a cliche but but we shouldn't underestimate the simplicity of of the basics and i was lucky enough to come across brian o'driscoll in the last 12 months uh on, on one or two things and you know i remember someone just asked him you know for for a piece of advice and it was practice the things you're good at relentlessly you know what I mean? Don't 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 uh, don't don't neglect the stuff that you're good at. Uh, for me, the ba- you can't do the basics often enough. You can't do them well enough often enough. And I think when you're watching the great teams like New Zealand or Kilkenny or Leinster Rugby now, Munster Rugby back in back in the day, they they you'd be bored looking at some of the stuff that they do repetitively because they were doing it so well. You took it for granted they were going to do it, and that's the biggest compliment you could give. Yeah. Again, it's just a, such a simple message, though. Just work on the basics, master the basics, and and the, the rest will follow. The the thing with coaching, with maybe coaching, sometimes is like how well do you recognize how well you're actually doing them? You, you know, I mean, you just look at someone doing in hurling, for example, have a simple drill of three fellas across the pitch moving moving a ball, and. How many times can they move that ball through the hands without letting it fall? Really and truly at match speed. How many times can they get the ball over and back across the pitch without that ball hitting the grass? At speed, at match speed. 
you know, and like that to me is practicing a basic skill until it's absolutely nailed on. And you'll be surprised even at even at intercounty level. I do stuff with the tip boys all the time over and back across the pitch, ball, ball through the hands, maybe one on each sideline, two in the middle, just moving a ball, moving a ball at match speed, throwing little competitions to see who can get it over and back the quickest. Yeah. You know, like, like, can you do it at match speed? Can you do the basics at, at relentless speed properly and consistently? Yeah, and again, it's just like... I know I keep saying it's it's simple it's 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 not simple but I think some people have to come a long way in their coaching journey to realize that the simple things matter most uh and the basics maybe okay, matter yeah, most I, I, you know good good point yeah good point um good point. so so based on all that then Tommy what would your definition of a successful coach be um I like it's a great question like it really is I mean like I know how I wouldn't classify it if I can start Absolutely. with that. It's not, it's not, I don't think it's, it's, it's classified by the, the teams that have won that you've been involved in. I don't think that's, I don't think that's anything got to do with it much, to be honest with you. You know, I think, could, could you walk in, in in the morning into a group that, that, that you've never met before and bring something? of value to them in a half an hour or in a, in a short session you know you know could 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 you do that you know like i suppose what i'm getting at is can you you know can you consistently walk away from 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 a training session and say you know there's a chance that some one of those players might be might be better at something this evening there's a chance I think if he, I think if you can say that consistently, you're in, you're in the sphere maybe of, of being being successful if you want to call it that. that, that, that do you know no, what I'm, I'm making a balls, I'm kind of making a balls <laughs> out of trying to explain. You're absolutely it now, not. I think the the very fact that you're agonising over it shows the level of thought and depth that you're thinking about your coaching. I think what so, something along the lines of what you're trying to say is maybe that uh, if you can walk away knowing that you gave it your all to improve them. That, that well that, that, that's that maybe that, that, that may be part that's of it, it. <laughs> I think, <laughs> thank you very that's, much all right that's that that's it that's that's a, it's, that's it's easy it. for me to to reflect uh tommy after you explaining it you see no um no that's it that that's exactly what i was would would have liked to have said thank you yeah okay. well you'll have it for the next time anyone asks you that now anyway. <laughs> uh, uh tommy the best book or resource or um anything that you'd recommend for coaches John Wooden, um, for me, is is the best thing I've ever read with regard to coaching. Yeah, he's he's very popular on this show. All right. Um, he was the first book I bought. He was the first book I bought. Um, back back after uh, getting involved with the with the tip miners in in seven, I bought it. I bought his. I had no clue who John Wooden was, by the way, at that stage. Okay. I, I, I had no, no clue, none whatsoever. Um, I was over in New York uh, uh, visiting visiting my my girlfriend, or who's my wife now, who lived in New York for a good for a good period of time. And I, I walked into it, uh, a bookstore one day, 
in lower Manhattan and I found John Wooden on the shelf and I couldn't, I had to be dragged out of the place and I bought, I bought his book and I still, I still use it from time to time. And, um, uh, so that one's a very important, uh, an important one for me, just to kind of, it keeps you, kind of keeps you, it keeps the big picture in your mind all the time about, about, you know, you know, people, uh, you know, people and players, you know what I mean? And that they're, they're not too much different, yeah. you know what I mean? And so I think that was a really, really important piece for me. Um, and, you know, like I probably should read a lot more than I won't, I won't tell you that I'm, I'm an avid. No, I do read a lot, but I don't read an awful lot of, of coaching out, kind of outstanding coaching books, but I watch, I, what I do is I watch, um, sport obviously a lot and i watch i watch the language managers and coaches use a lot and i i'm very interested in all that i i'm very interested in in the body language of management and coaches and all that kind of stuff and the kind of invisible messages that that um are transmitted you know what i'm saying and um and so but John Wooden, I think, if if I were to be consistent, I think that's probably now. Um, I was a huge fan of Monster Rugby, uh, and when I was kind of playing with Tip, you know, Monster were, were very prominent as well. I, you know, huge regard for for what they did at you know in in those years, the, the Paul O'Connells and the Donald O'Connells and the Rogers and all those guys, um, um, and all of that. So like they they were hugely influential. And, you know, and Satanta gave me an enormous amount of kind of resources for, for you know, proper knowledge, proper knowledge based resources, if, if you know what I'm saying. But I'm like, I'm a really great believer in trusting your instinct as a coach. I think that's a really, a really important one as well. So, um, you know, I think people, people kind of find what they need to find when the time is right. You know what I mean? But John Wooden, for me, was probably the most important one. Yeah, and it's it's interesting for because John Wooden for me always is the go to when you're trying to remind yourself of the the basics, and yeah. uh, it just ties in really nicely with what you were saying about about um, coaching uh, how you how you coach a team in terms of mastering those basics or keep doing those basics until they're right. And I think John Wooden stuff and and a few others after him are are great reminders that we have to do that as coaches as well uh, in terms of what we're thinking of and our philosophy. Definitely. And he, he gave me, um, what I got from John Wooden's one as well was his, his ability to communicate with players and people, I think was, was astonishing in, 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 in ways, you know what I mean? And that's a huge part of coaching as, as you, as you know, as well, like your, your, your communication style. And I, you know, I think that's a, a, uh, another common, a commonality, I think, I guess, with, with, with good managers and that as well is that they just have very very strong skills in communication but but you know both with in, in all forms but especially listening and i think uh, it's probably an underestimated it's probably an underestimated characteristic as well yeah no it's a really good point really good point tommy you've been brilliant with your time last question for you if you don't mind um your top tips for a developing coach and i know you've probably touched on a load of this type of stuff already but even if it's in a way of, of, of summing things up? I would say 
trust your instinct. Don't be afraid to take risks. And, you know, understand, be clear about where you want, you know, what you want to do and where you want to go. But I think be clear about what you want to do for us, if, you know, on the technical, on the technical pieces. And I think when you have clarity about that kind of thing, if, if, you're, if you're genuinely interested in, in making the team better, you will, you, you, you will be able to help them get better. But you have to, I think, for me, I always had to be clear about exactly what, what, I, need, what, what I thought was required. That you can't be, you know, it, it can't be fuzzy. I think once you're clear about something, you'll find a way to you'll find a way to 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 figure it out. And I think, you know, and the players will know that. And I think being sincere, I always found that players, you know, if if you made a balls of something or or didn't do a good job on something, you know, players players get the fact that you are given everything to it. That, that's all they want. They want you, they just want sincerity. And I think if a player understands and knows where you're at in terms of being sincere, I think they'll they do anything for you. And I think that's a, a, a great way to finish. Um, Tommy, listen, it's been fantastic. Uh, we will put any of the books and stuff you mentioned up uh, uh, on the page as usual. Uh, I think there's going to be a lot of people contacting, looking for that A4 Fool's Cap book that you have with all the drills. In it. <laughs> um, but I think, no, it's it's been brilliant to hear about your journey, uh, that you started off as being frightened. I think loads of people listening will be will, will relate to that, um, albeit on a, on a different level or coming from a different uh, point. Um, I love the way you talked uh, around using enjoyment as a as a, a measure of success in terms of your training sessions the confidence that you gain through education might be the push someone needs to, to go and, and do something themselves uh, but i think there's really good takeaways in terms of having clarity about what you want to do keeping things simple be sincere uh, fun is okay is another one that stood out for me and the big one for me was and i know you said it very early on but that coaching is a two-way street and, and that mutual satisfaction that that, that we can uh, a team and, and a coaching team can achieve i think that's really really uh important and probably something that is not talked about enough so tommy thanks a million thank you for listening to the show we hope you can take something from it that will help with your own coaching journey as always you can listen or subscribe on apple podcasts spotify and soundcloud and you can find us on all social media channels at Bubble Coaching on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Please get in touch because we would love to hear from you. The show was produced by Niall Williams and brought to you by the Coach Education Department of the Camogie Association. Thanks again for listening. Till next time, bye.